Please pray with me. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight because you, God, are our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. So this is week six of our The Songs We Sing series for which throughout the month of May, I invited people in both services to share what their favorite songs were. Not just Christian songs, but any song. And, and you gave us a wonderfully varied list of music. And each Sunday up until now, we've dealt with some specific hymns uh, and other songs. In fact, um, and almost all of the songs selected for congregational singing uh, and much of the special music has been some variation on the list which you all generated. Now today, I'm taking a slightly different turn and we're not, I'm not gonna talk about or song exploder or anything, any specific song, but I think this is just as relevant and so I'm gonna go in a different route on the songs we sing and to do that, I feel like I need to start with the book of Revelation because we don't go to Revelation an awful lot. Now, before I actually read to you from, from Revelation 18, I admitted I don't, I don't go to Revelation a lot. I'm assuming most of you don't go to Revelation an awful lot. Um, I, 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 may, I might would not even go to Revelation as much as I do, except for this. If we don't spend some time in Revelation, then it's only the people that read it as though it's written in secret code only for the end of days would have a monopoly on Revelation. And that's not what the book of Revelation is. Not what the book of parts of Daniel or Ezekiel or that little chapter in Matthew. It's, it's not what any of the Bible is. So we have to claim it too. Now, to be fair, I spent some of my Christian life thinking that Revelation was like that. For example, I knew for sure in the 1970s that the Antichrist was either Henry Kissinger or Leonid Brezhnev. Just like 10 years later, I knew for sure, like some of you might have, many of the world did, we knew, no, no, man, that's silly. It's Gorbachev. Gorbachev's the Antichrist. Somewhere in there, I also became aware of the fact that the word Antichrist is actually not in the book of Revelation. Huh. It's in 1 John. So, it's kind of off track. But we need to reclaim Revelation. Because where it wasn't written for us if we're only in the last days. It was written for us. Like all of the books of our scriptures, they're all written to be the sufficient rule of our faith and practice. So all that we need to be able to follow Jesus, and our mission is to help people follow Jesus a bit better today than yesterday. So all we need to follow Jesus is founded in the, in the bedrock of our scriptures, which includes the book of Revelation, which includes chapter 18, from which I'm fixing to read. But let me tell you this about Revelation first. Revelation was written by John. It was a vision that Jesus gave to John who was on the prison island of Patmos. Now, I know what you think of when you're prison island. You hear Sean Connery welcome you to the rock. <laughs> However, Patmos was not in San Francisco Bay and it was not really all that much like Alcatraz. It was, it was a place where, where people were exiled to live and they lived on the island relatively freely except they couldn't leave the island. 
So John was a leader in the church, and John wanted to write, because he got this vision, to write to the churches to encourage them in the face of horrendous persecutions that they would sometimes suffer. And as it turns out, in that day, when you lived under the thumb of an empire, you got in trouble if you directly criticized openly that empire, if you happen to live on one of their prison islands. So, John could not write from the Isle of Patmos to the seven churches, God will give you victory over the evil empire of Rome. Because Rome decided if that letter got off the island or not. So, in the vision, he used the language of Babylon, which was understandable to all of God's people as representative on a larger scale of, of human efforts to live without God. And so in chapter 18, Babylon is finally fallen. It's thrown down. And so now I will read to you from Revelation 18. It'll be on the screen. Verses the verses that Willie shows you. I don't remember which numbers. We'll start with verse 20, obviously. Rejoice over her, O heaven, you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has condemned her as she condemned you. Then a powerful angel picked up a stone that was like a huge millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, with such violent force, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down. This is written to Christians to give them hope that the empire will not win in the end. The great city of Babylon will be thrown down and it won't be found anymore. The sound of harpists and minstrels and flutists and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. No craftsman of any kind will ever be found among you again. The sound of the handmill will never be heard in you, will be heard in you no more. Let me read some of that again. The end of 21 and beginning of 22. Then a mighty angel took up the stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, With such violence, the Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and minstrels and flutists and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. So, John's hopeful vision for God's people is that Babylon will be destroyed. Part of destroying Babylon is taking away from it the music. So the point I want to make with you this morning under the songs we sing heading is that music is sacred. Music in and of itself is sacred enough that in the end, one of the great signs that John mentions in his vision that Babylon, when God has finally given up, walked away from the, the evidence of God's goodness and grace, have left the city, there's no music left in the city because music is sacred. So let's go on to Col Colossians chapter 1. As Willie had read for us, we'll read it to you again. Um, Colossians 1, 15 through 20, Paul includes in his letter this hymn, it says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the one who is first over all creation. Because all things were created by him, both in the heavens and on the earth, the things that are visible, the things that are invisible, 
whether they are thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He existed before all things, and all things are held together in him. Still, this is referring to Christ. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the one who is firstborn from among the, from among the dead, so that he may occupy the first place in everything. Because all the fullness of God was pleased to live in him, and he reconciled all things to himself through him. Whether things on earth or in the heavens, he brought peace through the blood of the cross. The word of God for the people of God. Uh, you are trained United Methodist. That's awesome. Now, you caught that, right? Because all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him, he reconciled all things to himself. All things. All things. I tend to want to make a list of the things that are reconciled and things that aren't. I'll, I'll tell you next Sunday a story about one time how I made that list of things that are reconciled and things that aren't. And because I had made the list of things that are reconciled and things that aren't, I took all the secular music that I owned, which was all the music I owned at the time, and burned it. Because I had made a list of things that are reconciled to God and things that aren't. And I don't know about you, I, I, I don't make that list the same way anymore. I still have within me a temptation to make a list of what's reconciled with God and what isn't. Sometimes I really want Paul or Matthew or Mark or Luke or John or Jesus or somebody to make a list, and yet it says all things are reconciled through Christ. All things. Music is sacred. It doesn't mean you have to like all music. This is also not saying, see, nothing matters. Anything you want, go get it. See, that's Babylon talking. That's, that's Depeche Mode, your own personal Jesus talking. Whatever your Jesus says is fine. Because typically when we get like that, it's like, yeah, everything, uh, everything on my list is okay because the things that are on my not reconciled list are all the things that other people do or the things that I do and have managed to keep secret from you so you don't know about them. So those are the things that I lead with. They're horrible. They're on the not reconciled to God list, except he reconciled all things to himself through him. Music is sacred. Not just the genres you like. Country music is sacred. Pop music is sacred. Rap music is sacred. Christian music is sacred. Music is sacred. Because our God that created all of us in God's image, in fact, as we walk through the days of creation, it, things just got better. Everything was created by God. So there, there is throughout creation, this clear testimony of the goodness of God, and it exists in music as well because music is sacred. Now, we have tried, every one of us to some extent, and some of us have done better at it than others, but we've all succeeded to really tarnish the image of the sacred in a variety of ways. 
but music is sacred. And before I say any more about that, because I am not very trained in music, I've invited our professional musicians to share a bit on the idea that music is sacred. So, Mark and Vicki Baker are here to share. Yeah, we did. We're not going, what? This, this feels, uh, for me, it feels a little odd because I've spent most of my life in music this way. <laughs> Which I prefer that because I, you know, the, the kids will tell you that I talk to them all the time with facial features and so forth, and the choir members here will do the same thing. Um, it's one of those things to where uh, I, Vicki and I both grew up in the church. Uh, so we spent a lot of time because we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, visitation on Thursday. Uh, we pretty much lived at the church with our dads being pastors and so forth. Uh, so we, we were inundated with all this uh, sacred music from the church. So um, it's one of those things to where, and, and Carla I know is part of that, and I know several of you in here uh, have gone through the same, same thing. Um, to learn about God through music that touches our hearts. Um, I read a book not too long ago by John Jacobson called A Place in the Choir. Um, and he was talking about everybody has a place in the choir. It doesn't make any difference who they are. Um, because, you know, I'll give you a good example. My dad was a preacher, but my dad could not sing. And he would be preaching away, and all of a sudden he would whip into some kind of chorus or whatever in the middle of his sermon. And I'd have to figure out about which key he was in. And the congregation would wait, and then when I would start singing, they would join with me, because Dad was all over the place. Um, and, but he would sing from his heart, which is that's what's all about, because it would touch his heart, and, um, and that's what, what um, they would And this is one of the things I tell people and I tell kids, I said, don't look down your nose at someone that you think can't sing because we don't know God's mind. I tell them, what, you, what, what are you gonna do if we get up to heaven and all this time the monotones were right? <laughs> it's not how well you sing, it's how well you worship God as you sing or as you play, okay? Um, so. Um, it's one of those thinking patterns, and I used to use Arsenio Hall as, as, my, as my role. Hmm, one of those things that make it go, hmm. Uh, the kids don't know who that is anymore. So, you know, I'm aging myself there. Um, so, we have no idea what God expects, you know, by way of, he says, make a joyful noise. What is that joyful noise? Whatever touches your heart or touches somebody else's heart. When the colonists came to America, one of the first books that they printed was the Bay Psalm book. And the reason was because they wanted to have books for them to use in their worship services. And so the way it worked was they would take their Bay Psalm book and they would have a designated psalm leader and he would sing a line of the psalm and then the congregation would sing back. If they had a song leader like Mark, it was nice, but if they didn't, it was not so nice. But, you know, like Mark said, the glory of the Lord. However, the ministers at that time decided that 
they had had enough of bad singing, and so they started singing schools, and that's how music education began in America. Okay, so moving on. Um, one of the things that, that um, Steve has talked about this morning is the power of music, how music is sacred. And that throughout the ages, and again, it doesn't matter what type of music, but music has this power that nothing else can. And Mark and I, in our involvement, not only in church music, but in music in general, we have seen the power of music and how it can transform people, how it can affect their lives. J.S. Bach, who wrote many, many different pieces of music, he did not just write sacred music, on every single piece of music that he wrote, he signed it to the glory of God. And there was a reason for that, because he felt that it was God's inspiration that led him to write this music and he used his talent to the glory of the Lord. There are many quotes that speak to the power of music. Some of them I'm sure you've heard. Where words fail, music speaks. And I also want to point out the scripture that Steve referred to in Revelation. It did not talk about vocal music, it was instruments. And I think it's important that we all consider that it's not just the words, but it's the power of the music itself. Just instrumental music carries a power that nothing else does. Music has also been called the universal language. Regardless of who you are, and I'm not gonna give you a heads up on what's coming, but <laughs> it's something that throughout the world people have developed and used, and people can be from anywhere and they still can make music together. Music is the language of the spirit. It opens the secret of life, bringing peace, abolishing strife. And I know many of us, whenever we have a difficult time and we're in sorrow or we're going through trials and we use music, we listen to music to lift our hearts, to lift our souls, there's something very sacred about that. That's a power. It has a power that nothing else has. And finally, music will help dissolve your perplexities and purify your character and sensibilities. And in a time of care and sorrow, will keep a fountain of joy alive in you. Music can bring about this feeling of happiness and joy unlike anything else. I was talking to Anisha this morning after um, the first service, and she said, yeah, Music transforms you, and that's so true. It has transforming power. It can take you from this place and take you to a place of great peace, of great joy, of great happiness. Mark and I feel honored to have been called into the music ministry because we feel that music is a tool that we've been able to use throughout our lives, not just in church, but in schools to make a difference in, in people's lives and to touch lives in a fundamental way. Uh, Steve was referring to the different genres of music and you know my students all the time ask me, um, Mr. Baker, what kind of music do you like? I said, well, I like Garth Brooks a lot. You know, I, I, for some reason, unanswered prayer speaks to me. Um, Les Mis, bring him home, moves me. You know, those type of things, his eyes on the sparrow. Um, 
the, uh, the national anthem. Just to name a few, okay? So realizing, if you notice, all, all four or five of those are, are completely different. And that's, you know, broadening your spectrum and allowing God to enlighten you, to fill you, to bless you. It speaks to our souls. So it depends, again, on the person. Allow it to speak to you, allow it to fill you, and really pay attention to what the text says. Oh yeah, join okay. choir. <laughs> Take part of that changing your life and changing your spirit and bringing you joy. And as Mark just said, join choir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all very much. So, music is sacred. And music has been sacred for a long time. In fact, um, archaeologists have recently discovered handmade, human-made musical instruments more than 30,000 years old. And this surprised them because they didn't think that humans were developed far enough along the evolutionary track to have made musical instruments. And especially this, they couldn't figure an evolutionary reason for music. And I don't know if there's an evolutionary reason for music, but people were created in the image of God and music is sacred. So there's this 33,000-year-old flute made out of a bear's bone, and the finger holes in the flute are at the precise, precise distance apart to measure a fourth and a fifth interval on a diachronic scale, which is music that would sound pleasing to our ears. So humans 33,000 years ago had this desire in them and, and acted on it to produce the kind of music that we find pleasing and encouraging today. Music is sacred. Now I did say, and the scripture says, that we can so tarnish even the idea and image of music that, that, that the sacredness gets lost in it. In Amos chapter 5, the prophet tells the people that God doesn't even like their music anymore. because they have taken the sacred out of it and made it just about a matter of performance. But music is sacred. And music can move us. Sometimes when we most need to be moved. I don't remember exactly, it was 15 or 20 years ago, I was in the midst of separation or divorce. I don't remember exactly where it was, but in, in my case, that, that brought some down times. There were some times that I, I, I was just done at the end of the day and I, you know, didn't want to see what was around the corner. And so I remember this, this one time, my life has changed a lot since then because I used to actually stay up and watch the local news. Is the local news still a thing? Okay, um, I used to stay up and watch this. So this one night, I'm, I'm sitting there and, and I only watch the local news, not to pay attention to the local news, but because cheers came on afterwards because that's the news was just a filler to fill time until cheers came on. And, and so it had been one of these days that I was just exhausted and done, capital D. And I didn't even have the presence of mind to pray for something to happen, but I remember wishing that one particular episode of cheers would come on. 
and then this happened. Cheers is filmed before a live studio audience. You wanted to say Norm, didn't you? Remember this one? is sacred and I don't know what song or what bit of music might have reached out to you at just the moment when you needed something but music is sacred please pray with me God, for all that you have offered us, especially in music, help us to see through our own brokenness and difficulties and weakness and failures and the brokenness and weakness and failures and difficulties of others. That the music with which you have blessed the world might help us know your presence, your goodness, and your love. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.